Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Welcome to episode three of the Corona Diaries. Um, we've we've gone a bit funny today. We've gone all all remote because obviously in lockdown we can't get together. So I'm looking at Mr. Steve Hogarth on a screen. Um, Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, uh, despite the uh, earliness of the hour, I'm uh, uh, I'm good. I had quite a lot of genius today. I had a guitar, <laughs> had a guitarist in the garden, if you'll pardon the expression, and and um, we uh, not that I should have, but I did keep him a good distance away. Right. But I tend to do that with guitarists. Guitarists anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's never yeah. any harm. Yeah. Um, so I'm fine if a little if a little fuzzy, and I don't want oh, okay. to give the general public the the impression that I'm an alcoholic. No, because but... <laughs> all I ever talk about is drink, <laughs> drink. Uh, yeah, but you know, anybody you look, who's followed your Instagram feed, yeah, you, you got to look um, forward to something, don't you? In these in these times, got to look forward to something. I read uh, something on Facebook the other was it Facebook or Instagram the other, the other day, which said um, to work out what your uh, lockdown. Uh, alcoholic name is take oh, your right. first name and and add it to your last name. Right. Well, that's Steve Hogarth. Exactly. So there we are. So that's your lockdown alcoholic name. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That fell a bit flat, didn't it? We'll leave that one. <laughs> Might edit that out. Um, no, I'll probably leave it in. If you hear a sight, a very sight, sort of lispy sound on the S's, there's a reason for that. But we'll come to that. We'll come to that in a minute. So anyway, yes. um, welcome to episode three, and I'm, I'm, and Steve is is sat at home, and I'm I'm sat at, at my home, and we've apologised for the earliness of the hour. So we'll tell the audience it's seven in the morning and we're working hard, but really it's quarter past ten. Um, yes, and and I'm in my not a home, but my home. Yes, in, you know, not I mean, a home, your home. It's only a matter of time. And any squeaking, yes. any squeaking at my end, is is probably my bare flesh moving around on the leather sofa. Right. right. Although I am wearing clothes. Right. I can only see the top half just for the just for those listening, and I'm I'm going to avert my eyes now for the rest of the for the rest of the recording. So today's today is episode three. It's going to be a little bit weird today in the fact that we're not going to touch on one particular topic. We're going to pick up on a few things that have happened since we last spoke to you, uh, because there's been some feedback from the podcast, and there's been some other things going on that we thought we'd like to we'd like to talk to. Um, so the, the the first thing really is uh, it's a huge thank you to everybody that's listened so far because as of today, which is the seventh of May, we are number one in the music interview podcast chart for Apple. We're number one in the music podcast chart for Apple, and we are in the top hundred um, podcast total for the UK at the moment. And we're we're also in the same sort of position in places like Germany and the Netherlands and Poland and a few other places. So. I don't know about you. I'm a little bit knocked out by that. I think that's uh, I think that's fairly impressive. It's fantastic because we've only just started, and you know, hopefully, over time, um, <laughs> if all goes according to plan, this thing will build. Um, yes. If, if it doesn't go according to plan, the word will go around, and and you know, it's not worth listening to. <laughs> 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 and, no. uh, and it'll trail off yeah. but um, with a bit of luck the opposite will happen um, I've been giving it very good reviews myself yeah yes uh, yes well I, I've given it 74 <laughs> under various names so far <laughs> so <laughs> so well, that's but, great it's great yeah no 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 and uh, and and we it's a, it's a nice point to actually talk about a couple of specific bits of sort of feedback we've had um First one is from a chap called Paul Henman, who's uh, who contacted me actually on on Facebook, and he's uh, he lives in Toronto and he's a Toronto Wolfpack fan and he's a badminton player 
and his photographer. Um, But Paul's come to our attention um, because he's actually... um, He heard us talking about Lover of Jackets in the first episode, and he's bought that domain name, and it now redirects to the Corona Diaries podcast. That's mad, isn't it? So it's absolutely mad. So... Thank oh, you, Paul. Gonna... Uh, yeah, thanks, the Paul. Tablets. Yeah, thanks for that. So if you if you if you forget how to find us, then loverofjackets.co.uk will actually take you there. So uh, so that was a that was a, an interesting piece. So big thanks thank out to Paul. Um, the other thing was that a couple of people, uh, a guy called Fertsy on Instagram, I think his real name's Neil, um, who likes running a banana bread for the just just for the sake of uh, full disclosure, and a chap called Rich RT seventy four who reviewed us on Apple, both would like to know a bit about the bees in Strange Engine because we we missed that. I don't know why we missed that middle bit out. Well, it was my fault. I think I missed a couple of sections out just because I was, I couldn't I couldn't think of what they were. Um, <laughs> um, so. Uh, I, I meant to explain all of it, but but I yeah I forgot the bees. That's also true. Um, when and they were wasps. They weren't right. bees. Oh, there's a there's a there's a scoop. Uh, oh, does, they were they were wasps. Everybody are gonna gonna cry as one across the world. But does wasps not scan then? It just, just doesn't the... sound like the right kind of thing to put in a song. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I thought bees had, you know, had much more more mythical sort of value, um, Napoleon and all of that. But um, what happened was um, I was still in the pram, so I was extra, you know, I was still a baby, and my mum was wheeling me down the road in Flint Road in Doncaster, which is where we first moved to after we we came there from Kendal. Uh, we were in a a brand new build. It was barely more than the building site when we moved in, and it was number one Flint Road, intake Doncaster, um, and my mum was. It, this this might have been while my dad was still away. I think but my my mum was wheeling me down the road in the pram, and I think a couple of lads had been throwing stones into a wasp's nest, in a field at the side of the road. And they swarmed, and um, they they swarmed as one, and they they were all over my face. So she's got a baby in the pram, covered in stinging insects, and they swarmed into her hair as well. And the um, one of the neighbours who, who who was you know one of these great unsung heroes, um, next door, actually actually came out and pulled these insects one by one out of my mum's scalp whilst they stung her, you know. Um, So my mum was badly stung all over her head and I was stung, I was stung in the face, but mostly on the nose, which has given me a sort of permanently sensitive nose for the rest of my life. And I, I, although I was, you know, tiny weenie my recollection of the event is 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 this sort of blue color um hence the blue paint the blue paint um and it was blue um what did i say screaming like baptism so so it, it was like being chosen or picked upon perhaps um almost celestially at a very young age for all of this hurt um and stings are funny things you know they they never quite leave you i don't think you know they don't just heal up and get better there's they they always leave a bit of a a trace of something you know with like a loss of feeling or a tingly thing Mm. um it's 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 um it's quite quite a severe poison you get out of these insects things. Mm. So that was what happened. That was that 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 was true. It was a major event of my, you know, probably the the very earliest thing I can remember was an old lady in an alley in Kendall in Westmoreland mm-hmm. polishing a, a red apple on her pinafore. 
Um, that's my earliest memory, and my, my kind of second earliest memory is is the pain of being repeatedly stung in the face uh, in Doncaster. Mm. So it's it's not my earliest memory, but it's it's my second it's earliest. Yeah, and yeah, but it, you can it, you can kind of understand why. Yeah, it was quite an event. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm still rubbing my nose now, but it's never been right since. <laughs> yeah, but that's just because you're talking about your nose. Every time Probably. I go to the super, every time I go to the supermarket now, and I'm not supposed to touch my face. I, you know, my nose itches. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's when you think about the knit, when you talk about knit nurses, you end up scratching yeah. your head. It almost immediately, don't you? <laughs> you think these things into your skin. I'm just while we're talking, I'm just scanning through the remainder of the lyrics for Strange Engine just to check that we haven't missed anything else. Um, and I, I think, do you know what? I think we're good. I think yeah. we're good. I think we did all right. I, I think, the, uh, yeah. I did the um, school and the choir, didn't I? Yeah. William Appleby and all yeah. of that, and the bleeding to death on the boat. Actually, we didn't talk about so that, yeah, we did talk about that bit. Um, and we talked, yeah, Rose Adventure Hooks for the Coast, Upright Piano, yeah, we did all that. Um, but what about the villages of souls hovering in the air while they're sleeping and the chasing the moon between the buildings? Send to me the ghosts of Christmas. I've always wondered about the ghosts of Christmas line, actually. Um, yeah, where on earth did that come from? I've always loved Christmas, and I associate Christmas, as I'm sure everyone everyone does, uh, with, with childhood. Yeah. Uh, and that electric feeling of anticipation and, you know, lying awake half the night with your heart in your mouth, uh, wondering what Santa will bring. Uh, uh, and this idea of, of, you know, of believing in magic um, that is cruelly shattered at some point in your life when somebody tells you there's no Santa. Um, and although I know there's no Santa, <laughs> unless there's any kids listening in, in which case between you and me, you know, um, there's... There's a, a, a great reluctance on my part to relinquish magic. I'm one of those people who doesn't want to know how the tricks are done. You know, when I see a magician, um, I don't want to know. I, I, I want to, I don't, I, I don't want to know how he's done it because I, I want to believe that there is something, there's, there's a mystery, there's a, there's a mystery still left, you know, uh, even at my ripe old age. I love the idea of, of, of magic and metaphysics and spirits and um obviously there's the the the, the ghost of Christmas is a reference to Dickens and the Christmas mm. Carol. Um Which but, I think's the greatest story ever written, actually. I actually got someone I think she was Danish years ago. Uh I had a Danish fan and she I you know, I think she was a bit, she was certainly a bit obsessive. And she started sending me things. Mm. And in the end, I had to start sending them back because she 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 started off by sending me a first edition of A Christmas Carol wow. by Charles Dickens. And it's wow. it's bound in leather and it was all mm. kind of a bit, it was all a bit bent from from age. Mm. And when I opened it and had a look in the, in the first few pages, I could see that it was printed in the year it was, published so it was a first edition wow and i gave it to sophie uh one christmas uh my daughter as a present and she still has it so i do have a first edition of that and uh, this same girl um st started sending me gold tr solid gold trinkets through the post um and then one day what's that um What's that thing um, that they have on the street for sending money internationally? You know, if you're Albanian and you want to send 15 quid home, what what do you... You know, you go in and there's like a counter. Yeah. You sometimes yeah. have them in post offices. And, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, for doing transfers what's, and wire transfers. What's that called? I can't, I can't. No, I can't remember. Anyway, then. Then. I got a, I got a notification one year that that they were holding a package uh, and she'd sent me money and right. i had to kind of 
send it back. I had to refuse right. to collect it. Right. And she got really upset with me uh, right. because I refused to pick it up. So I've had a curious life, you know, just complete strangers sending me gold and money for for no reason that I could really think of. And, you, right. you know, I, and, I mean, I didn't get the feeling she was wealthy. She just no. decided just, just, to send yeah. me things. Yeah. But but they weren't really presents. They were no. more like valuables. So no. that was a bit odd. Anyway, I digress. So, but she sent me, she started by sending me this first edition of Christmas Carol, for which I'm eternally grateful. Um, and that, yeah, it is a great, it is a great story. It's a, it, it's a, t- I mean, Dickens was, was the man, I think, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, I think his reputation has been tarnished by all these Sunday afternoon period, period dramas that they yeah. put out in the seventies. Yeah, but if you go back to the books, they're just oh the book, no, the books. I mean, I mean that particular book. I just think. I mean, what more do you want from a book? I mean, it's got, it's got ghosts, it's got redemption, it's got, it's got everything you want out of a story. It's. Uh, I saw. Um, tell you what, because I, I live near Huddersfield, and uh, one of Huddersfield's most famous sons is Patrick Stewart, and I saw him do. He did a one man show of A Christmas Carol. Uh, which he won loads of awards for, and he did a he he did it again a few years ago, uh, for a very short run. I saw him do that, and that was just astonishing, absolutely astonishing. He loves that book. Yeah, so the idea of being visited uh, by you know something from beyond uh, the material world, whispering in your ear and telling mm. you something, I think that's really what I was banging on about with uh, sending me the ghost of Christmas. Whispering, you're the only one, and I sort of touched on that last time as well, didn't I? About um, that, that, that feeling that I was actually the only one, and everybody else yeah. was yeah. just—it yeah. was like a god experiment to find out what I'd do. Um, that feeling's faded away a bit now, although there's still a tickle of it in the back. <laughs> you are real, aren't you? Well, <laughs> I couldn't I possibly was, say. I, I've had such a farming life that, that um, I, often, I often wonder if these things happen to me as part of a massive experiment, you know. Oh, oh dear. I am, I am government-sponsored. To, yeah. to see what I'll do next, you know. Let's, let's uh, I know, let's, uh, let's bite him in the finger. <laughs> Well, well, and what, and what a beautiful segue! Because why don't we break one of his teeth off? <laughs> well, and, there, and, and and there we have it. And uh, because I was I was just about to come on that. So so obviously um, that's the the last the last section of TSC. So thanks to Fertzi. Well, and uh, I used to. I'll just say I did used to run. I did used to run down the street in intake to try and beat the moon, but down the street. You know, and it used to be sitting low on the oh. horizon behind the houses. Oh, that's, and, a, that's a really nice story, that. And I used to run like hell, and I never managed to beat it. To, to beat of course, it. Of it, course, it keeps up with you, doesn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's how, I, that's, I like that. that. Uh, I like, when, I was, when I was a kid. Uh, and... Um, I didn't put it. Didn't find its way into the original version of, of this strange engine because the the music was too short, and I always wanted this extra line, and uh, and it rhymed with you know whispering you're the only running as fast as I could run rhymed with whispering you're you're the only one. So it made complete sense from my point of view. But for some reason the band decided the section was too long and t- <laughs> took 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 four bars out. I couldn't fit it in. Marillion so put, decide a piece of music is too long. Shocker. No, uh, yeah, no, that is that's stop press, isn't it? Um, <laughs> more living proof that I'm the one that made Marillion <laughs> yes, longer. Yes, yes, um, yes. proper you know, prog credentials, as you uh, write. Yes, proper, proper prog credentials. I'm the one uh, that made their songs longer, mainly just to fit all the words in. <laughs> fit the words in. But in those in those days, they still had enough power to remove a line. Right. And when we printed the lyrics, I still put it in the lyrics, even though it had been removed from the song. Because well, it was you know, important. I was reading it and I was thinking, that line's not in. So yeah. I actually I read that and I thought, I don't recognise that. No, I put it in. And, and, then, and it, 
when we re-recorded it for the orchestral album, I, I asked Mike, I said, can we make this, can we put four bars in four this? Four bars in. So I could put it back in. And he said, yeah, of course you can. So we stuck it back in. So it, it's on the uh, on the orchestral one, it is actually sung. Um, and um, I did used to imagine the houses being invisible when the people were sleeping. And, mm. and I, ima- I imagine that the bricks had gone and I could see them hovering. Right. I couldn't see their beds or 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 the just houses. Them. Just just them hovering in the air oh. horizontally. I remember oh. as a kid thinking, "Wow, you know, if if these houses weren't here, I could see all the people hovering, hovering up in the air, sleeping." And I used to think, I still think like that when I walk about. Um, I have those kind of thoughts, you know. If I'm on trains and I'm looking at houses at this, that sort of this train is my life. Uh, about about the Christmas lights in the houses as well. I'd see the lights in the houses and I, I'd I'd imagine the people walking about in the mm. you know in the upstairs rooms. Mm. If you couldn't see the upstairs rooms and you could just see them walking about, walking up, about. In the, up in the sky, up in space. Um, I'm I'm starting to, to hope. I'm really starting to hope that there's nobody that has a deep sort of love of psychology listening to this. Because, because you're sounding like the world's greatest case study. Um, you know, I think somebody could There's have a field a name day. For with, a pod, name the, for a podcast. The, the world's greatest case study. Somebody <laughs> mentioned in one of the comments about Doncast the other yes. day. Yeah, great. <laughs> Oddcast, we had, didn't uh, we? Yeah, Don, Doncast still the makes me giggle. world's greatest case study. Yeah, world's well, greatest case though. Yeah, that's what we'll call this next episode. Well, well, if it starts to tail off, we'll just launch again with a different name. <laughs> um, so, lockdown living. Um, uh, we we had segued beautifully into lockdown. You <laughs> should mention the pig, and then we've gone I back. Segued out. I segued out of it. Um, so, uh, I, I've, I've written three things down to ask you about, um, hmm. and you've alluded to two of them. And I can't think I've probably alluded to the other one. But we'll start with you walking down the street and and walking into a guy who was taking his pig for a walk. That was Easter Sunday. Um, I, w- I just looked out the window and there were, there were actually two men walking two pigs round the, round the village green. And I thought, holy shit, that's comedy gold. That's Instagram gold, I thought. Instagram um, gold. So, so, darling, I need to get my shoes on, and uh, I was off. And and by the time I got by the time I got out the door, one of them had gone. One of them had vanished altogether uh, up the hill, but the other one was still on the far side of the green. So I legged it across the village green so I could photograph him. And sure enough, he had this bloody great pig, and a big kind of cardboard, like a wob, you know, like one of Ralph Harris's wobble boards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that he was wafting about um, because apparently that's how you control a pig. You don't need a lead. You, a on, you don't need a lead on them or anything else. You just right. have a big board and you waft it at them, and they don't like it, and they, so they'll they'll keep avoiding the board. Um, right. And that's that's how you get them to turn left and right. So he's wa- walking along the street with this big board and this enormous pig. Um, and I did ask him. You know, I, I, I said, "Do you mind if I photograph you?" And he went, "No, oh, all right, all right, boy." Uh, and I said, "What? Why are you walking a pig round the green?" I went, "Oh, oh, she's a right one. Oh, up the hill to the farm. Uh, so she is." Uh, and was he a pirate? I I, he had a piratey thing, you know, because most pirates have a bit of a West Country drawl, <laughs> and they all a bit like that. Um, so I never found out why he was walking a pig around the green. He 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 sort of either didn't understand the question, or just chose to tell me where he was going rather than why he was going there. But he was taking a pig uh, to the, the farm on the hill, um, and it was a sow. And I I couldn't work out whether he said she was pregnant or not. But he 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 came, he came out with a load of kind of yokelies, right. Um, which I sort of barely understood, but sort of understood to mean he was going to the farm. Right. 
Um, so why he was walking pig around the green remains a mystery. Right. But it right. does take me back. I used to live in a village called Charlton down the road um, in the direction of Banbury. And um, a pig came thundering down the street one winter's day in Charlton. And I just went indoors. I thought, that's terrifying. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere near that. I mean, they're big, you know. Yeah. And uh, all that takes me back to Kendall. Um, that was what another of my earliest memories. A bull got out. A bull got out in Kendall and came thundering down the main street while my mum and I were, were in the main street. And it really traumatised me. And I used to have mm. nightmares about cows uh, as, as a kid. So my kind of um, recurring nightmare was, was, cows was cows when I was a little boy, yeah. And when we moved, we moved in Doncaster from Flint Road to Lake Keen Road into a haunted house. That's another story. Um, and um, when I got when I got there, my mum and dad, in the genius, decided to put um, wallpaper in my bedroom. Oh, and in on this wallpaper were all these animals playing cricket. And one was a cow. And and so I was utterly traumatised by this smiling cow with a cricket bat. You can see where all this is going, can't you? It's so, totally all going. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going here. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to recur in nightmares about cows, you know, being out of control. Anyway, this pig came down the street uh, in Charlton. And uh, I, rem- I remember going straight back inside and slamming the door shut and watching it nervously out the window until, until a couple of farmers were rounded up to go and find it. Um, so that's, that, that's always an underlying possibility of country life, that you might get some, some rampaging animal go past the window. <laughs> so, so there was the pig, because your lot of down living has gone in three. So we've, we've had the pig. Yeah. Then, then something bit your finger. Yeah. Still, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe unknown. But that that looked really nasty. It was. It was uh, the single. I mean, it was more painful than my my memory of the the blue pain with the bees right. and everything, the wasps. Um, it was the single most painful event of my life, and that includes being hacked to death on a boat, and mm. you know everything, and falling off that stage in Port Zealand. I mean. All, all reasonably painful thing, <laughs> and um, this was on off, you know, completely on another scale. Um, I was faffing about in the garden. There was a black bin liner which was, you know, uh, covering up some electrical sockets uh, that we've got on a post. So we've got a post in the garden with some electric sockets on that we had put in. So that we could have uh, twinkly lights in the in the trees, and Lynetta had bought some more twinkly lights. So I'd gone up the trees to to uh, to plug them in, and then I'd come back down out of the tree, and I was taking this old black bin liner off the sockets which had put out which had gaffer tape round it in the winter um, to keep the rain out. And I took this off, and I'd got another black bin liner I was going to put in its place. And as I put my hand in this black bin liner, something hit me like a bolt of lightning. Mm. Um, And the pain was impossible to describe. It was just so intense. It was like like a hot needle combined with an electric shock, you know, of colossal proportions. It just went... Bang in my finger. I thought, what on earth is that? And I got out of my finger. And it drew blood, so it was it was bleeding. And I mm. thought, God, something stung me. So I, I was sucking at my finger to try and suck whatever had gone in back out. Back out. So I knew it was a sting of some description. And I came in and ran it under the tap. Uh, but it hurt like hell for about three, three or four hours. You know, I had to wrap it in ice constantly. Mm. Um, just to dull the pain a bit, mm. um, and then it did all kinds of strange things. And mm. I, I, I uploaded some of the pictures to Instagram of me. You know, it swelled up and went white, and then it went, then it went all red and purple around the sides. 
then it started to get better the swelling I, and it was swelling right into my hand you know beyond my finger it was my uh left left uh yeah, wedding ring finger as you'd call it i guess um and then uh, as it started to get better the skin then started peeling off it like it would from a burn mm. um and once the swelling went back down then i could clearly see two entry wounds like little mm. vampire teeth so it wasn't a sting it was a bite of some description from mm. something or other something or other local cobra mm. it felt Small like a vampire thing <laughs> king king cobra or uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I never saw it because it was in whatever, wherever it was. It was in a bag, and it, and it went. And, and I wasn't, I was, I wasn't opening that bag for a while. <laughs> I thought I'm going to leave that, and then when I later plucked up the courage to go back out and investigate, there was nothing in the bag, so it had cleared yeah. off what it, whatever it had been. Um, Christ alone knows what it was, but there, there's various theories uh, have come back. Um, it could have been a, I mean, a horse fly doesn't seem painful enough. No. Uh, there's a thing called a false widow spider, and they're pretty wicked, apparently. Right. Um, they reckon it might be one of them. Right. So there we are. So I had oh. I had the finger episode. Right, and then you also and had a tooth just episode. The, just after the finger got better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Saturday oh. before before last, <laughs> we're having a barbecue, and uh, I brought something out into the garden that, and it was in a bag. I think it was was it? Oh, it was it was grated cheese in a bag, right. and um, I just got hold of the top like you do with your teeth, just to tear the corner, and one of my front teeth broke clean off at the uh, at the gum. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, fortunately, and I probably deserve a break. But fortunately, it didn't hurt. Yeah, at all. You know, so yeah. you'd think that breaking one of your teeth straight off would 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 hurt, but it didn't. Except that I now look like a kind of pirate, stroke, homeless. Yeah. yeah. You know, low life. Um, or or Keith Richards or yeah. something or something like that. Um, yeah, rock and roll low life. That's what I look like. Um, so I found up the dentist. It was, of course, it was a Saturday night. So, you know, best of luck. So I was on the phone for hours just trying to get hold of anyone. And in the end, by various convoluted uh, methods, I managed to get hold of my dentist's home number. Um, and he called me back at about half past nine in the evening on Saturday. And said, oh, well, until the lockdown finishes, I can't even touch you. We've mm. had to close all the surgeries, so nobody's allowed to do anything at the point of a gun for any amount of money. Mm. Um, and there are emergency hubs that are set up. Um, so I found this emergency hub in Milton Keynes and said, I broke my front tooth off. And they said, well, is it bleeding profusely? And I said, no, it's not bleeding at all. And I said, well, has it affected your heart in any way? I said, well, no. And I could, I could, you know, while I was an answering the questions, I could see I wasn't doing myself <laughs> any favours. Um, so uh, I painted this picture of someone who wasn't about to drop dead <laughs> and uh, and they tell me to clear off <laughs> so they wouldn't see me. <laughs> so I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do? I can't walk about with no front tooth to... Till till the end of the lockdown, it could be Christmas. Um, so I did what I always do during a crisis. I found Ian Mosley, and uh, Ian. Every time I've had a terrible thing happen to me in my life, Ian's fixed it. He's like that guy in Pulp Fiction, you know, after they've got the dead body in the. <laughs> oh, the Harvey Keitel character. He, yeah, it, that's basically Mosley. He can fit. Right. He, if you if you're in crisis, he has a happy way of sorting right. it out somehow. So I phoned him, I said, Ian, I've broke my front tooth off. And he went, what? Um, I said, oh, hang on, my, my next door neighbour's a dentist. Let me talk to him. So he said, I'll call you back. 
So he called me back, and his next door neighbour is a South African dentist. And he said, "Well, I can't see anybody. I mean, he was in the same boat as all the other yeah. dentists. But I know a woman in Berkhamsted uh, who makes dentures called Lorraine. <laughs> Go and see and I, I phone Lorraine. So uh, mostly sent me this number for Lorraine, and I phoned her up." And uh, she sounded quite Dickensian. She was oh, cool blog, yeah. <laughs> she very East East London sort of a, a character. Um, <laughs> so getting her off the phone took most of the night. Um, but she said if I went to see her the next day, she 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 was still working and she could take an impression of my mouth and make make me a denture. So I've now got a denture. <laughs> I've got one tooth on a plate that I can put in, which improves my smile, uh, but makes me talk with whistly S's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm walking around the village. Of course, I keep forgetting to put put it in, you know, until it's too late. Uh, or I have to keep... I have to keep I've, I've got to, I, I realise I've, oh, I've got to pop home and put my tooth in. Uh <laughs> When I'm walking the dog, because I tend to bump into people in the in the village, you know. Um, so I tried to keep it secret for a bit, but I've given up now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I didn't tell anybody, uh, but it's, I did. I, I did laugh a lot when when you messaged. It just broke clean off my. Hand. I got it. In my, I got it in the palm of my hand. I'm looking yeah. down at my front tooth in the palm of my hand, thinking, "This isn't right." Yeah. You know. <laughs> It's right. <laughs> Any minute now, I'm, I'm going to be in colossal pain. But fortunately, you know, the days and now weeks have passed. It hasn't hurt at all. Uh, mm. But I, 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 I dearly need to see a, a dentist and get something love, screwed in. I love the fact that you said to me, I can't remember having any work done on it, but there's a bit of metal sticking out of it. Out of the there gun. is a bit of metal sticking out of it, which is not pretty, to be honest, either. I mean, it's really gross and horrid. Um, so you've either had something done, or it's been some form of alien experiment. It's, which it's leads one of the us two. back. Leads us back <laughs> to the, the the yes, my my long running suspicion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all going to go a bit X Files, isn't all, it? All, all my teeth are fastened in with titanium <laughs> from oh. birth. Oh. Well, I wasn't born with my second teeth. They did actually come through. Right, okay. Just that would checking. have been a giveaway. That was just just checking. <laughs> um, so I think I think we'll perhaps call it call it call a halt to this madness for a, a little minute. When we um when we recorded the first few uh, sessions, the first few podcasts, we did record uh, an extra section of the diary. Um, which we'll play that now to keep us in chronological order. So the audio will change just slightly. So we, we are back to pre-lockdown recording and we're back in H's kitchen um, for the next section of the diary. And then we'll regroup after that and have a little bit of a a little bit of a chat because I listened to that section again this morning and, and there's quite a few questions that come out of it. So um, if you want to take a pause now and go make a brew um, and, and then we're going to jump straight into into diary uh, and then you'll hear from the two of us again in, uh, in about 10, 15 minutes. We're on to diary, and I think last time I think we'd finished with, with with you gigging you sandwiched between Alison Moyet and, and Hugh and Cry. Yes, and then I came home, went to went to London, and met Julian Lennon. Of course, Julian Lennon. We finished with Julian Lennon. Yes, um, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. oh and uh, and Mikhail Gorbachev. Yes, who'd who'd had a bit being, of a rough time being detained and released. Yeah, yeah. who remembers yeah. Mikhail Gorbachev? Yeah. In a in a Putin world, that's been yes, interesting. Yeah, not, not a name I've he heard was, for a while. He he felt like a ray of hope at the time. He didn't did, he? he did, yeah, he did. But the Russians didn't think so. No, unfortunately, no. So so anyway, yeah, that's that's about that's about where we uh, that's about where we were. Right. Well, yes, and then I'd and then I'd gone to London um, to edit um, dry, the Dryland dry track at Abbey Road with Brothers. 
And then um, got nubbled for approving artwork at EMI and came home in a bad mood because it was supposed to be my day off. Right. Um, then the right. Then the no. I'm, no, I'm recapping. Then the following day, I went. I went straight to Poland. Alison Moyer. Yep. You're quite right. Got sloshed with Alison yep. Moyer. She yep. took that well. Ate his sandwich. Friday the 23rd of August. Here we go. Gdansk home. Spent all day travelling home. Another interminable wait at Warsaw Airport. So went into the city with Louise Vase, EMI International babysitter and by now good friend, for a look around and a spot of lunch. It was a beautiful day so we sat out in the street. Spent lunch discussing and lamenting Warsaw's tragic past. Everyone else stayed at the airport. They must be mad. Finally got home at seven, kissed my girls and went to bed. Saturday, 24th of August, home. Went to the Egham Show. Cows, vintage cars, Jeff Capes, steam engines, Bill Smith's coconut shies, show jumping, pigs, horticultural tent, etc. Missed it all in favour of the Bouncy Castle and Punch and Judy show. Never mind, as long as Hargreaves is happy. I should explain that I, I call my daughter... Sophie, at least at this point in time when she was little, I either called her Fifi or Hargreaves, depending on the mood I was in. I'm going to have to stop you. Why? John Lennon wrote a poem called I Remember Khaki Hargreaves. Right. And she was quite khaki as a baby. Right. So I christened her Hargreaves <laughs> after the amount of general khakiness. Um, <laughs> and it's st- I still call her Hargreaves now, right. and she's 30. Right. Um Went out to dinner in the evening with Dizzy, Dizzy who's my um, ex-wife, to local friends Sue and Graham. God, let's take me back. Much talk of nursing and skydiving, i.e. blood and gore and sudden death. Broke in a new babysitter called Rachel. We'll soon have enough for a hockey team. Sunday 25th of August, home. Borrowed Bessie's ladder and pruned the wisteria. Monday, 26th of August. I think we should just let that stand for a second. <laughs> Let's just leave that one, give it a moment. I think he deserves it. <laughs> Monday, 26th of August. Home. Painted the front lounge. Again. Back to Magnolia after my recent previous attempt rendered the room egg custard yellow. Started about 12.30 and had the pictures up by five. Dis thinks it looks much better and makes the room look somehow larger. I tend to agree. We went to Windsor for a tea time noggin at the Dome Cafe, being as the pubs weren't open till seven, it being bank holiday. Gosh, you see, those were days when the pubs... The pub shop. Yeah, yeah. Bleak. Walked down to the river and halfway up Eaton High Street before Diz pegged out. She's heavily pregnant. Tuesday, 27th of August, home. Another lovely day, weather-wise and otherwise. We drove to Richmond, bought liquid soap at Dickens and Jones and nipped upstairs for a coffee as Diz was feeling a bit tired. Refreshed, we then went for a walk along the river. Fifi had a nice time wall walking. Bought this diary in order to keep the promise I made to my dad. I promise I'll keep a diary, Dad. Spent the afternoon drilling and banging, running an electricity supply to the dishwasher, which as yet doesn't exist. Diz had another antenatal. Blood pressure normal. So far, she's doing just fine. Up late, getting this diary started. Wednesday, 28th of August. Home, Lowsley House. Took Fifi and ourselves to Lowsley House where they make the ice cream. Had a walk around the gardens. Fifi didn't want to go in the house, me neither. Probably the most English place I've ever been. Wonderful and magical. The ice cream's pretty damn good too. Fed the cows and hurried home for John, who popped in at five with tea... John was our manager in the old days, John Arneson, who popped in at five o'clock with T-shirts for approval and the tour programme. T-shirts not bad. Programme looks very good. Apparently, MTV are playing No One Can several times a day and the album's been in the top 30 in Germany for eight weeks. It's hardly Dark Side of the Moon, but I was pleasantly surprised. Changed the kitchen round a bit. Diz doesn't like bending down to the fridge, so it's gone up in the air. Spoke to Sally Higgins, re-multicoloured silk waistcoats. Went to bed at 12 o'clock. 
Got up at two, couldn't sleep. Watched Rock Life video from Cologne till five o'clock. Made notes. Went back to bed. Thursday, 29th of August. Had my roots done. Put shelves up in the kitchen. Took Fifi to the park. Had a bath with her. Went to bed early. Friday, 30th of August. Home, Berlin. Rose at six. Jason, regular driver, took me to Heathrow. Fairly uneventful flight to Berlin. The TV show was silly. We were on after marmalade. Enough said. Flew to Cologne for EMI sales conference. Very nice Italian restaurant meal. They sat me at a table with Irwin, the managing director, married to Tina Turner. Needless to say, everyone ended up, as is customary, at Woody's Bar drinking tequila, which did much damage to all and sundry, not least ABC, who perhaps aren't as used to it as us. Martin Fry's a nice chap. Also had a bit of a chinwag with Kim Appleby, who seemed nice too. Saturday, 31st of August, Cologne home. Rose at 10, had quick breakfast with Swiss EMI rep Gabby Weiss, then off to the airport with ABC and EMI staff. Got back to UK mid-afternoon and spent the rest of the day in the garden and recuperating indoors. Sunday, 1st of September. Home, Malham, Yorkshire. Up at 8, finished defrosting the fridge. Planted pinks in the borders, a gift from Bessie next door, mowed the lawn and waited for Priven Mark to take me to Windsor where we are to photograph Radio 1 and EMI girls. William Chung took the pictures and much fun was had by all. Diz and Fifi came and chatted and pottered. We were a bit short of women, only 12, so I persuaded a few passers-by and the girls from behind the bar at the Windsor Castle pub. Ian brought Michael, his son, and they flew a kite, which was retrieved from trees and untied by Mad Jack with a little assistance from Fifi. At 3.45 we'd finished, so the girls went back to London on a coach and the band climbed aboard the horse box bus and drove to Malham in Yorkshire, five hours, to be greeted by Mike Bell, director, and Ivan, cameraman. Had a couple of pints of Boddington's and fell out with the management, who refused to give us a drink after 10.30. Bastards. <laughs> What's all this about Northerners being friendly? It's Mon- the Dales. You can't, you can't. <laughs> you just can't, you know. Monday, 2nd of September. Malham. Rose at nine, checked out of the hotel from hell and had breakfast at the cafe round the corner. Additional film crew arrived at 10.15 and we drove to Malham Cove, which is supposed to be location one. Through hotel room key over the edge of the cliff and sunbathed in the glorious sunshine in between bits of heroics and lip syncs. Much trudging about and Jim curring on the rocks. Finished at sundown. Managed to drag Ivan away to the pub for a quickie around nine o'clock and then home in the horse box via Aylesbury and the Shires, arriving at 3.30am. Thank you and good night. Right, well, we're back. Um, that was the third, the third section of the diary, um, which, as I say, we recorded... Back before lockdown, 19th of March, actually, to be precise, it was a Thursday uh, and it was just before the world changed. Um, I think we knew, as uh, you probably tell from the uh, the first few episodes of the podcast, we knew it was going to change, but it hadn't quite changed at that point. But anyway, uh, that's that's the third section of the diary. I'm going to have to, one thing I do need to ask you, we had a little bit of chuckle at you messing about with wisteria, um, but you might need to elaborate on what, what your wisteria actually was for those people who aren't aware of what wisteria is. Um, wisteria is or wisteria or wisteria. Uh, I think it's it's spelled wisteria and pronounced wisteria. Right. Let, let's call the whole thing off, etc. Um, and it's um, it's a climbing, flowering, um, creeping plant that that right. people have stuck at the front of their houses. Um, it's been a particularly good year this year for wisterias or wisteria, and um, there's, there's masses of of, of flowers um, out around around where I live. Um, it, it tends to be uh, you see it on the front of houses, and it's usually quite grey and twiggy to look at. Right. It flowers 
in um, long dangly flowers. Anyone f- familiar with laburnum, um, which is yellow? Right. They're similar, similar shaped flowers to laburnum, but they're usually um, a kind of purpley pink color. They're fragrant, but very nice uh, perfume comes off them if you get up and have a sniff. Um, and they grow that they grow pr- like triffids, you know. They're, right. they're, they're very uh, vigorous. That's yes. the word I was searching for that yes. they use in a, in a uh, gardening profession. They're very vigorous in their right. growth, and they um, you see them. You know, they, some of them are hundreds of years old. You sometimes see them fastened the pubs and whatnot. And they used to be a great big one fastened to our house in Englefield Green, right. which was number 54 Middle Hill. Right. You do realise uh, that you've given away every single one of your previous addresses today, don't you? Well, I thought, well, there's no harm, is there? I'm no, not there. No. Well, you're not there, no. <laughs> you're only going to bother the <laughs> the poor buggers who live there now. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, we'll we'll wait for the police action. It was a lo- lovely. It was a lovely house, just a semi-detached house uh, in um, you know on the edge of Windsor. Costs about as much as a palace in Yorkshire, <laughs> um, and uh, had a wisteria on the front. I used to get up and prune. And the next door neighbour was called Bessie, so I think I sometimes mentioned Bessie. You, you, in the, you do, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, a, Bessie, Bessie was she there. She was a delightful old dear. She really was. She was lovely. But, you know. Long well, thanks for tuning into this content. edition of Gardener's Question Time with, with Steve H. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know the Latin names. I can't right, show okay. off. We'll try and find that for next time. If I find out, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, <laughs> Bulbous multiflora. <laughs> you, you also mentioned, because the first year of the diaries was 91, wasn't it? Was that right? 91, first year? <laughs> Humongous multiflora. Sorry, what was the question? They, they were just saying the first year of the diaries was 91, I think. Is that right? I haven't got, a, I haven't got my uh, copy I to hand. I don't know. I really you, have no idea. I haven't got But in that section, you just mentioned that you'd had your roots done. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, your grey hair was a thing back in... Not necessarily, because I was dyeing my hair long before it went grey. Right, um, okay. It's not a grey So I was, I was, as a young man, I was sort of mid-brown coloured. Right. And I always thought it was such a dull, boring sort of colour for right. um, an international glamorous hell of a guy, right, which is okay. uh, which is what I was hoping I'd become. Right. And um, so, I, way back when we were living in Surbiton, um, I had this hairdresser who used to dye all kinds of colours, and I, yeah. I, it used to be sort of he sort of had. I mean, it was like it was kind of lion coloured at one point. Um, so, <laughs> and then uh, when How We Live were trying to get a record deal, um, I dyed it. I dyed it black, but blue at the roots. I had right. an indigo. I had an indigo at the roots, right. um, going to black. So he was peroxiding it, hmm. dyeing it blue, and then dyeing it black beyond the blue. So. That was quite a, a mad hair colour, but but uh, and it looked looked really um, otherworldly, but um, it was an absolute sod to keep going because the 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 blue dye would fade over a couple of weeks right. into what looked more like a blue rinse. So, <laughs> so then it looked like some kind of bizarre. I looked like some bizarre old lady. Um, and I had to keep getting the crazy colour into it to get it back into this vibrant sort of indigo again. So I was so I'd been dyeing it for years and years. And the other thing I used to do was this along my hairline at the front here, which you know this the sticky outy bit. Mm. I used to shave that so it went straight up and across both sides. Oh, that's very um, yeah, that's very new romantic. I'm saying new romantic. Oh, I was all of those things. Mm. Um, over the years, yeah, we. Who was the guy to... in Visage? What was he called? Steve Strange. Yeah, yeah we fade right. to grey. In fact, the the on we fade to grey in the middle. Um, there's a there's a girl speaking French, mm-hmm. and she was the Europeans drummer's girlfriend's sister. Wow, um, who spoke French on the, 
we fed to grow. Because they grow. were very they were very plugged into that whole culture club Steve Strange mm. scene mm. that was going on at, at Camden Palace. We used to go to Camden Palace every night and leap around till two in the morning. Mm. Um back but back back then when we were young and daft. And I used to end up sleeping on people's sofas in London that um because we were living out in Shepperton at that point, um, which was the last stop on the line. There was about 26 stations between Waterloo and Shepperton, and you just used to nudge from one to the other every sort of 40 seconds and uh, nod off. And then, and then I'd wake up coming back the other way towards London <laughs> <laughs> and, have to, and have to go again. And I never, I never paid either. I had this one ticket that had a that that had the date on it in smudgy sort of purple writing, and it, it had smudged off. And I, I, I travelled on that ticket for about four years, and and then they got the railway police onto me, right. and I was followed. I was followed on the train by uh, you know, such a strange feeling when you realise you're being followed. You know, it's for it's good a, reason. Yeah, to be fair. Well, yeah, malevolent. Yeah, for malevolent reason to oh, to yeah. to uh, hold me to account yeah. for all my non non payment affairs. And I was sit I was sitting on the train because there wasn't really a ticket office at Shepperton, and there wasn't mm. anybody there. It was you, you, most of the time, so you'd just get on the train. And I used to get on the train with this one this one ticket that I'd had for years. And then on this particular day, I got halfway to London and uh, I just kept checking out this bloke further down the carriage. I thought, this bugger's following me. No, I'm being, I'm being paranoid. He isn't, he isn't. He isn't. And, and in the end, I thought, I'm going to get off and see if he gets off. So I got off and he got off. And he sat at a sort of discreet distance <laughs> up the platform, trying to look like he wasn't following me. And then I got on the next train that was going to London, and he got on it, and I thought he's definitely following me, this son. So I I got off at Vauxhall, and sat there again, and he got off and sat there again, and then I was certain. So we got to uh, Waterloo, and there used to be a little ticket office on the platform at Waterloo, and you could go and pay the extra yeah. if you hadn't managed to pay. So I went to this, this with this bloke still sort of following me. I went to the ticket office. And I bought a return from Shepparton to Waterloo. And then I went through the barrier. And as I went through the barrier, he, he did the kind of hand heavily down on the shoulder, your neck thing. And I went, I don't think so. I've got a ticket here. And he was so pissed off because he knew I'd been fiddling for yonks. Um, so, yeah, I was followed and followed and very, very nearly arrested. The... <laughs> I think we'll leave your we'll, we'll leave you dodgy. I was going to say we'll leave your dodgy past behind, but to be fair, that's the whole reason for the podcast. So. Yeah. So, so we can, you can't escape. You can't dodgy escape pass. it. Um, you mentioned ice cream. You mentioned uh, taking Sophie to uh, uh, to buy ice cream. I'm going to have to ask you because I'm an absolute mm. ice cream aficionado. Favorite flavor? Well, back then we it probably would have been raspberry ripple right, before okay. the. Uh, uh, but I, I like the corn. They used to do Cornish, didn't they? Do you remember yes. Cornish? Yeah, a bit of Cornish, yeah. Um, but then, you know, since back then, you know, in modern times, with the um, proliferation of, of, of Haagen-Dazs and uh, all the exotic Ben and & Jerry's and all of that, um, I think my favourite, I like a Solero, you know. I do like a Solero. Ah. Okay, that's uh, controversial. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I've, I, I'm always up for a Solero on a sunny day. Um, and in Tesco's the other day, um, Hagen Dust are doing this. Um, is it white chocolate and passion fruit Ooh. lollies? Ooh. But they're like ice cream lollies. Yeah. And they're like they're white, and they've got little pink bits all around. Oh, I have one of them. They're right. amazing. Right, so I can thoroughly recommend those. Right, um, that's I like I like a bit of black cherry if it's right. you know fresh from the farm and all right. Of that. Right, I once um, we were on holiday in New England and I dragged my wife three and a half hours in the car to go to <laughs> Vermont 
to do a half an hour Ben and Jerry's factory tour. All right. And then three and a half hours back uh, because I'm, I I just adore Ben and Jerry's. Um, and you can imagine how that went down. Um, but they've got, uh, Ben and Jerry's, they've got, uh, the, the, the tour's great. Um, but, uh, they've got a little, they've got a little graveyard at Ben and Jerry's. Um, you wouldn't like it, actually, it's full of cows, actually, the whole place, you, you, you'd, have, you'd have a nightmare. But, um, they've got this little graveyard and on these, on these little wooden crosses in the graveyard is the name of all the flavours that didn't sell. So all the flavours that died, they, oh. they, they've got a little, they've got a little cemetery for them. My kind was, of guys, really. Yeah, they uh, sound like hippies. Oh, they are. They're absolute hippies. They're absolute yeah. hippies. It's all it's all tie dye and uh, it's all tie dye and you know and, and and free love. It's it's fantastic and great ice cream. So I think the bad the bad thing about a hippie stereotype is that they're always a bit dreamy and can't get anything else together because yeah. there's this you know there's this underlying implication with the word hippie that they're probably smoking a lot of dope and never do anything. Yeah, but. Um, one of the best combinations you can have in humanity is is a, is a hippie on a mission, and mm. so every every now and again you'll get hippies on a mission who you know the kind of cu- cu- the thrusting hippies. Thru- um, what a great name for a podcast! <laughs> thrusting hippies, y- y- yuppie hippies, yippies, yippies, <laughs> or huppies, depending on your point of view, and uh, that that. They're the ones that, that get amazing things done, you know, because they retain that sort of hippie spiritual uh, other 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 way of looking at the world sort of aspect. But they they get their sh- they've got their shit together yeah. and they get yeah. stuff done and build empires. And I, I, but I suppose you could argue that Bill Gates is probably the best yeah. example of of the the thrusting hippie, you know, yeah. or the the hippie, yeah, yippie. yippie. Um, well, it's great what. I what he's doing with the foundation. Yeah, yeah. I'd uh, I had one more question I was going to ask, but I'm going to leave it for a different day because I think it's uh it, it although it talks to a reference in the diary and it talks to the lady who made your waistcoats. I'm going to leave that for a different a different day because Sally I think Higgins. Be Sally Higgins. So we'll leave we'll leave Sally Higgins. Um, you know, standing for a, for a while. Um, and so we just, dropped. So we drop something on our toe. Yeah, <laughs> she she can remain in the wings, and and we'll say we'll say tata really until until next time. But we just to remind you, we we we're, we're recording weekly now. We're going to try and get a podcast out to you every week. They're going to be remote recorded, obviously, for the time being because we can't get together and record them. Um, please, I think keep... you might have gone a bit. I think you might have gone a bit grayer since the last one. Is it? It's growing it the, out. The thought is it the, the thought of talking to me? It's, it, I, I was fine yesterday. I was absolutely fine yesterday. Um, I've got, I've not got, uh, I've got a deep, dark brooding thing going on today, but that's the bad light in my office. Um, keep, keep, keep reviewing, keep liking, keep subscribing. Thank you everybody for your support. It's been fantastic. Please get in touch. Um, you know, we are picking up on comments through Facebook and Instagram and on the reviews and what have you. So please carry on doing that. And you can leave a message on the guest book at stevehogarth.com because we're checking that as well. Yeah, I mean, another thing we were talking about doing was maybe for one one day uh, trawling through all the all the questions that have been put on on the guest book there, yes. and, and answering a few of them. Yeah. you know, that yeah, it's been and a few over the years, and I, I don't always get to answer them. So we'll we will look at that. We have talked about that, and we will look at that. So uh, so thanks for thanks for that, but thanks for the support. Yeah, please share, please like, uh, please subscribe, um, and. And myself and the pirate-esque figure that I'm looking at on screen. <laughs> uh, the winning grin. The winning grin. The winning grin. Um, stay safe, all of you. Uh, take care. And we'll we'll talk to you in a week, I guess. Yes, let's look forward to that. Let's Anthony. look forward to that, Steve. We'll look I don't want to, to see one more grey hair. I, I just <laughs> want to see... <laughs> Relaxation and a, a glow of happiness. Right. Okay. I need. I need a. I need a thrusting hippie thing going on. Mm. We'll do that. We'll do that. Yes. Right. Well, tatar everybody. Have a good week. Bye. <laughs> Thank.
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.